On the Choose to Think podcast, I will encourage and empower you to engage and optimize your best thought life in practical, meaningful ways so that you can live day by day in joy, peace, and God's purpose despite all externals. This is Victoria, and welcome back to the Choose to Think podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome everyone to the Choose to Think podcast. And with me today is Jenny Owens. Welcome Jenny to the show. Thanks, Victoria. It's great to be with you. You're welcome. And I am just grinning like from ear to ear. I'm like, I don't think my face might get tired of it after a while, even just meeting you a few minutes Aww. ago here before we started. I, I'm going to hold up a picture of Jenny's book. Actually, I've already, I posted it in my little Facebook tribe and put it on social media. It's called Singing in the Dark. And the subtitle is Finding Hope in the Songs of Scripture. And I, if you could see all the notes that I have, I can show you. This is one notebook I have right here. And there are like a gazillion, I have the pages, the references and little quotes and as I told Jenny a moment ago, I've been praying for clarity on, on what questions to ask her, but I'm going to start with a question before we get into the book and maybe some other uh, really just neat things about her and applications that, you know, just her life in general. I want to start with a question that I think she has probably never, maybe never in her life been asked. And oh, it has, it's, well, let me tell you, Jenny, it's because I am such a language nerd. I teach Spanish at the university level, and you mentioned something in your book about paradigms and how you were, let me see if I can find that note. Um, Oh, goodness, I should have highlighted these because I don't have. Yes, it's in chapter nine. Okay, chapter nine. And (laughs) that that helps. Yes. And you said that you, do you know the pages? Because I wrote pages, not chapters. You know the pages. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's close to the end of the book because I was talking about memorizing the, scripture. Was it and the like hook? how I started putting. The hook? Uh, it was, was before that, I think. But okay. I, yeah, yes. talking about memorizing scripture and like that I've learned to set paradigms to music for length for Greek and Hebrew. Yes. That was it. And so on page 194, this was a quote I even wrote down, just referencing what you just said. Memorizing is the secret to everything I do in life. And that's your superpower. So I want to talk about that in a minute. But I I actually got off when, when I, I stopped reading at that point. I'm like, what is a paradigm? I know what a paradigm is, not linguistically, but I'd never thought of it as, in terms of languages like Greek and Hebrew. And so right. for Spanish that I teach, the paradigm would be those verb conjugations and that structure, yes. which can be influenced. But how do you do that in Greek and Hebrew? What, how Same do you- thing. So what yeah. are you memorizing though? And how is that helping you with like writing your songs? That's where I didn't really understand that. Oh, well, I think what I, what I was saying was I have learned to mem when I was in my Hebrew and Greek classes, I learned that I could memorize those paradigms. So those sequences of verbs that I needed to know to build all the other verbs and to kind of recognize them. So I realized that was a superpower was just because there's something about singing it that helps you offload it from your brain. You just, you put it to a melody and then you have it forever and you can just keep recalling that. And so what I started to think about was, 
what about if you memorize scripture that way? You know, how easy, you know, to just sing scripture, you know, until it's in your mind. And then you, you know, because we often think of like, okay, how can I praise? How can I sing positive things to myself? And I thought, well, literally, if you just sing it, if you have it memorized, if you make up some melodies for it, then you, uh, then you're set. I got it. I totally get it now. I had something else in my mind that I was thinking about because that sounds like a tool that I, that I needed to teach my students somehow or say, but it's really just that you were, if you could memorize those paradigms, say with all those verb structures and the tenses and the moods and so forth, then, and you discovered that you could do that so well, then you started using scripture, memorizing scripture, and then just recalling that in by singing it literally is that right what you're saying do I have that right exactly okay okay thank you has anyone ever asked you that Jenny no no it's a great question though I'm so glad I love it good oh that was awesome okay well I I've got to go right to your book and I'm going to put my reading glasses on here and I I'm going to just say what I loved about this book the, the first thing that caught me was how it seems effortless almost. I'm like, how does she do this? You took passages from the Bible, these songs, like I've heard of the song of Moses, the song of Deborah, you know, I've heard of those. And of course the Psalms are songs in essence. And, but what you did that was so clever is you weaved your life just like right in them in a way that was so transitional and so easy to understand. The applications that you made in this in this book are just astounding to me. And I felt like, as I told you earlier, I felt like I was just seeing myself as you described your feelings, as you were transparent. You, what courage does that take? few people will be so transparent and just come out and say, okay, let's really admit this is what's going on. But you did that. And you did that in in a way that I I just like love you for that. And I just felt like I need to give you a big hug for that because what courage and what, you know, you always are pointing to the transformation that God has done in your life and just how much he means to you, just how, what he's brought you through. And, but, but you've done it in such a way that's so easy to understand against the backdrop of these wonderful stories. I can't wait to write my review on Amazon. I haven't done it yet, but I plan to do that. That is just so sweet. I'm going to start calling you every day for encouragement. I hope yes, that's you call okay, me. But, uh, yes, I want us to be best friends. I love that. So sweet. I love it. Yes, that's and, so sweet. Well, thank you. I, you know, it was a super challenging process to figure out how, how to talk about these songs of hope in scripture and then how to kind of give my personal testimony of how, you know, I've learned to sing these songs of hope and what what finally kind of helped me to do it a few chapters in and to kind of get my pattern, my stride down was thinking about the fact that, um, thinking about how I would share it with somebody. Like if I were either doing a, a talk, like doing a speech or just sitting and having a chat with somebody, someone, it's like, how would I, how would I share this? And so when I began to think of it that way, it was easy 
to kind of just have it as a conversation, write it as a conversation. And uh, so I'm really glad that that you that it resonated with you. Yay. Yeah, it, it was you. masterful, I think, how how you did that. And I'm I'm truly not just it's not like I'm some great literary expert or something like that, but I've read my share of books and certainly done a gazillion Bible studies and and I'm a writer also. And so I just thought it just it's like it flows so nicely from one topic to the next and and okay here Jenny's talking about herself and here she's talking about King David and here and it just was really wonderfully done I want to read some of the chapters and just so to give the listeners and the viewers an idea of, of what you've written about these different songs and it starts with a song of undivided praise focus on Leah there a song for the plodding path I love that chapter that was Moses a song of victory Deborah was the focus there in her song a song of strength Hannah remember how she wanted a child a song of rest that was David from Psalm 23 a lament for the misoriented life, David again, Psalm 51, and that was his repentant. I call, I always think of that as his repentance, you know, that particular psalm. And then God's song of justice and mercy, going to Isaiah 58, a lament for the broken world, that was David again in Psalm 22, a song of inner peace, Paul, how he's saying in prison, and then Philippians 4, 8, which it may have been more of those uh, verses, but that's one of the verses for my ministry about what do we think, you know, one of them is taking our thoughts captive, being transformed through the renewal of our mind by the renewing of our mind. And then of course, God's so clear telling us exactly what to think about. I mean, he makes it very simple and there it is right there, but I know it's harder to do than it. It's easy to say it, but harder to do, but and then the last chapter was singing in the light from Revelations 21 and with Jesus, the lamb being our lamp. I just, I, I just really am captivated by this and, and really thoroughly enjoyed it. And I know that it spoke to me and if it spoke to me, I know that it's going to speak to so many of my, of my viewers and, and listeners and mm. As I look at this big pile of notes I have here, um, I wonder where to start. I think I'm going to start with with that chapter about Moses and and yeah. plotting. And you know, you you write so much about the journey that you've had being a songwriter, being a musician, a singer, and the difficult times that you had during, you know, your, your, once you even started, I was so astounded to read that. I think you were trying out for something and there were a hundred attempts, a hundred failures or something. I think that might've even been literal. I don't remember, but, but that, that rejection, you know, handling that um, would have been really, really hard. And, but yet day in and day out, you, you've just kept going and kept digging in and you've learned that it's not just about grit. We hear a lot about grit, grit and grunt, you know, just do it, get it done. Mm -hmm. But yet you mentioned something that's different, that inner strength that we have. And I'm probably now like going through all the chapters and combining them all <laughs> in one. So that's anything, perfect. You do yeah, it. Anything you want to share about your journey to, you know, to find that, 
inner strength to really lean on God and not so much yourself. Because again, I so related to that. I related to this pursuit of being really, you know, all together on the outside, but inside, mm, no, I'm not going to tell you that. Or, you know, those sorts yeah. of things, that transparency and that, that pressure we have and, and the, you know, that, okay, by golly, I'm going to pull my bootstraps up and do it on my own accord, but somehow leaving God out of the equation. And we don't mean to, yeah. but we do. And right. so I don't know, let's let you talk and just share any, any point along the way that, that you want to share. Yeah, well, I love um, absolutely everything you're saying. So true. Like we, we tend to kind of go about our lives and especially when we get in sort of a routine of you know we got at work we got whatever kids or not you know we just we get in our our kind of routine and sometimes our rut and you know at night it's Netflix and then in the morning it's coffee and off to the crazy day again and and we kind of just can do that and, and to the point where it often feels mundane and we just long for more but we don't know how to find more and I think as a creative person, I always kind of find that there's this longing for more, you know, and I remember when I first began my journey as a musician. Yeah, um, part of uh, a wake up call for me was my at the end of my junior year of college, um, one of my professors just said I had auditioned for something and she said, you know, your voice is just weak. Um, you probably will never be able to make music for a living. And I remember walking away from that and I decided I was a double major in performance and education. So I decided to drop my performance major and finish my music education degree, which meant that I spent my senior year, the first half, just taking a whole bunch of general ed courses like science and right. you know math and all the things that were left over after being a music major for so long. And then the second half student teaching. And I remember because there wasn't a lot of interesting music or just um, kind of fun opportunities, which you always kind of had over in the music department. I remember just feeling like it was quite applaud. And that was kind of my first experience with applaud, uh, a plodding path. And, and I remember just thinking, oh, this will never end. Uh, but during that journey, lots of songs were born that would end up making up my first album. So when I was a little distracted and you know, kind of trying to sort out life um, during, you know, Western Civ, I would sit and write a song. And a lot of those songs, I had no idea where they would go. But I think for all of us, there's always a longing for more, a longing for something different than what we're currently experiencing. And I think where Moses really helps us is he shows us, I mean, you know, he spent 40 years plodding around after sheep in the desert. And then he spends another 40 years, like trying to just plod through the wilderness with these hundreds of thousands of stubborn people who are also kind of sheep in their own way who you know he's trying to you know resolve conflict and he's trying to you know keep them on track and keep them from you know turning away from the lord and he, you know it's just like day in and day out he's doing the same thing and yet what we see is he focuses his eyes and his heart on the lord and as he does he changes uh not even just kind of like, okay, I'm going to make myself change now, but he changes as he follows the Lord, as he looks at who God is, as he watches and learns to trust God, uh, he becomes a different person. So that plotting path actually comes to kind of deepen him and strengthen him. And so I started to see how that can kind of happen in our own lives. 
you know, when we set our eyes on Jesus, when we look at him, when we get to know him more, when we actually just ask questions like how, you know, how did you walk through your daily life, you know, doing miracles and, you know, experiencing all day crowds of people who wanted something from you? And how did you still love them? I mean, you know, when we ask those questions of Jesus's life, we see how he even, you know, walked through his mundane. We see how um, he always had the joy of the Lord, no matter what. And so I think there's something for us to learn about inviting God into the middle of our dull, of our ordinary, um, and, and, you know, learning what it is to walk with him through that and, and knowing that through that, it's going to shine with his beauty, shine with his color, shine with his presence. And we're going to, you know, become extraordinary people, um, as we move through that time. Amen. Amen. That is so powerful. And there was a season of my life, Jenny, when I, every morning I was like, I was saying these words to myself, rise. Well, I was saying, let's see, what did I say? Wash, rinse, repeat, wash. Rinse, oh yeah. Repeat. I mean, I'm in bed before I even throw my legs over and I'm saying, wash, rinse, here we go again, Lord, you know, just that. Yeah. And, yeah. and I realized I caught myself and it put this dark cloud even over my day. And I was like, yeah, I got to go grade and I got to go ride and I got to go, you know, walk around the block with Rico. And, um, Instead, once I noticed that, because I, I call myself a thought coach, and the more, mm -hmm. once I recognized that what I was really thinking about was really taking me in the wrong direction and put and just inviting this dark cloud over my day, then I knew I needed to do a pivot and a switch. And, and so I did that and I needed to do it verbally even and with my thoughts, because that's where it all starts. And mm -hmm. so I started saying instead, like rise, shine and glorify today, Lord, this is the day that you've made and I will rise and shine and, and yeah. glorify you and thank you for this day. I know later in your in your book, toward the end, you talk about your gratitude list and giving thanks. And we talk about a lot about gratitude on this show and it, even mm -hmm. in my ministry is start with a grateful heart because in about five years ago I battled depression and what mm -hmm. helped me to to kind of come out of that was gratitude and actually you know demonstrating and and expressing my gratitude, my gratitude and my thanks and my praise and adoration to God. It wasn't just positive thinking, although, okay, that's fine. It was that I have a savior to whom to be grateful. And there's a big difference in all of that. So once I started doing that, it really helped me. And I noticed how, how you said that about, about gratitude. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. And I like what you say is so true that, you know, it's not just practicing thanks. It's, it's, um, realizing that we have a savior and a God who's just giving us good gifts, like even just little things. And, and once we start to kind of notice those details, we notice more of those details, you know, and it's kind of has a spiral snowball effect in our lives. Um, and if we're willing to start, we're willing to start thanking God for the little things, then more We'll, we'll thank him for the big things and more little things will even come to our attention, I think. Yes, they do. That is so, so true. Talk a little bit about that inner grit versus inner strength. And I kind of talked, you know, mentioned that a second ago, but what, yeah. what's the difference and 
how do you how do you foster that sense of inner quote inner strength versus just depending on yourself for that grit and grind of it all yeah well i think of inner grit is kind of this determination this drive this i'm going to grit it out i am going to push through and succeed no matter what I'm just going to get it done, you know, grab the bull by the horns, pull myself up by my bootstraps, all of those kind of ideas to me sort of equal grit. And uh, I remember, you know, as a, so I lost my eyesight when I was three years old. And, um, you know, one of the challenging things that it really losing your eyesight, especially that young, isn't all that challenging. It's just all of the elements that come with it. Like, realizing that people see you as differently and realizing that you don't see what other people are doing. So you have to learn. Uh, so, so for instance, one of the things that I had to learn, and I guess we all have to learn it as girls, if we want to, is to put on makeup. And I remember going through the process when I was 12 and like begging my mom mm -hmm. to be able to put on makeup. And finally she, she relented and she took me to the house of one of our friends that sold makeup. I think it was like beauty control or one of those nice. types. And, um, and she starts teaching me how to put it on. And it's just so complicated because you got to count the number of swipes of the brush and the sponge and, the, and you got to get it in the right place. And, and I remember um, one of my mom's sort of uh, her, the reason that she let me put on makeup or the reason that she let me learn was she said, um, the only way you can do it, one of her stipulations was you have to promise that you'll put it on every day. And it wasn't because my mom was like super in love with makeup. It's because she knew that I needed to learn it because I might want to know it one day. So mm -hmm. now was the time. And so, so, but I remember, you know, I was so overwhelmed by the end of that first session that I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And four or five days in, you know, to having to put it on every day, I came to my mom and I was like, I think I'm good with just wearing flip flops. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, no, no, you are not doing that. <laughs> but I think that was one of my first experiences um, in learning that I was going to have to just work harder than other people because I had an ex some extra things to learn, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and it might take me some extra steps to do that. And so that was where I kind of started to develop grit, like determination to get it done, to be like everyone else. Um, but, but the problem is grit doesn't come with vulnerability. And also in a certain way, it, it comes with a confidence that can fall apart at any moment because it's just up to me to do everything and think about everything and get it right. Whereas strength is more of an unwaveringness I don't think that's a word, but it is now. And, you know, in our, in our hearts, um, I think truly um, in, in, in the book, I talk about this in relation to Hannah, who we think of as Hannah is asking for a son, but what more, I think what she's doing is she's learning to rely on God's strength. She's saying, I'm alone in the world and I can't do this by myself and I need you. And so I think what strength is, is just this unwaver, unwavering sense that, uh, that we um, have that kind of bears us up under the weight of life. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's relying on God's strength. It's letting him lead us. And it's sort of rolling over all of our cares, as Peter would say, onto him mm -hmm. so that we're never doing things in our own strength. So really our strength sort of is is 
growth out of God's strength, out of trusting our strength. The more we trust God's strength, the more we rest in it, the more strength we have. And it's not, uh, it's not dependent on our ability to, to do things wrong. I mean, to do things right and to, to prove ourselves strong. It is, um, it is simply just reliant on our ability to rest in him. And it's almost like the more we rest, the stronger we get. Wow. Yeah. You know, and it, I believe it all, but sometimes it's hard to put that into play because what oh, you're saying, yeah, is just wisdom. And, you know, even Hannah's story, I love so many things about that story and about Hannah and her life, but I always kind of read that a little bit offish because I thought, Lord, I'm not sure I have that kind of trust or faith to give up my child that, and, you know, even quote, dedicate him to you. Now I can dedicate my children to the Lord in, in, you know, in that kind of broad way, but to actually just at what he was three, right. And just to take him to the temple and say, here, it's all yours. I'm like, oh my goodness. I don't know how I would do with something like that, but I, you know, you also mentioned just resting in the Lord. That's another area where I struggle. I think every struggle that you have expressed in this book, Jenny, I, I, I just thought, you know, did she read my diary? Because it would <laughs> so relate to, to those struggles and even the resting in, in the Lord and that slowing down. And matter of fact, here's a quote that I have. It's on page 107. And you wrote this, you wrote, Christianity is the only faith that insists there is a rest giver, capital R, rest giver, who holds us in the midst of chaos. Could you explain how Christianity is the only faith that actually insists that there's a, a rest giver. I love that. What's that mean? Yeah. I, you know, in every other religion, there's a sense of us fixing ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, to, to come. So, you know, even, even sort of in, in a monotheistic religion like Islam, you know, it's um, the idea of, you know, there's this God and he's distant and he, he, he can generally be benevolent, perhaps, maybe we hope, but we still have to be good. Um, but then in even kind of more Western ideas, you know, even if your religion is kind of look to your, I've got to find my worth. I've got to find what's the most important to me and do that. I've got to find my value in myself, which is not realistic at all. That's a, that's a whole nother story, but, but still it's up to us. It is up to us to fix it, to do it. It's back to that grit idea. You know, it is up to us to kind of make our way and make sense of who we are and to go out and do that thing. And, um, you know, or, or something like Buddhism, like stoicism, where, you know, it's, it's about just sort of being, uh, strong enough to face suffering by just kind of looking at it head on, almost having a negative view, like, you know, so what it just happens and it's part of life and kind of emotionally distancing yourself. It's, mm-hmm. it's all about us, you know, kind of doing it ourselves though, and just getting, being strong ourselves. Whereas what we see in Christianity, I mean, think about it, like in the, in the old Testament, we hear a lot about the Lord giving rest to his people. Right. Um, we hear, you know, the Psalms celebrating that he's 
is a God who brings rest. We hear that in, in Psalm 23, where David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, he gives me this place to rest. But then we also hear Jesus saying that in the New Testament, come to me, all you who labor, and I will give you rest. Mm-hmm. And so it must be true, you know? Um, so it is a unified message and it's a beautiful message. It's, it's the religion where we don't work for salvation. We go and we rest and we receive it. And it is just so, so beautiful. And, and, you know, the thing about rest, when you, when you think about it, rest is really an active pursuit. It's not like being passive. It's not laying on your couch and saying, I'm going to rest. Although sometimes that may be part of it. Right. You know, it's going to God. It's, it's, as we were talking about earlier, it's, it's finding what he says about himself and what he says about us and taking comfort in those words, you know, meditating on those words, like how, how Jesus has said, come to me, all you who labor. So that is you. That is me. Like we take our labor, we go to him and part of resting is releasing those things to him and saying, Jesus, today I've been laboring under this but I'm going to give it to you, you know, whatever it is. Um, so I think rest is, is kind of an active pursuit of continuing to bring those things to him, lay, lay them at his feet or lay them on his shoulders and kind of in visual, in, wow, can't talk, visualize ourselves, envision ourselves doing that. Yeah. Um, I think it gives us a very practical kind of example feeling of, of rest. Yes. I, I love it. And you know what, Jenny, I have a yoke. It is about, matter of fact, it's on my floor because it's going on my wall very soon, but I think it weighs 27 pounds or either 23 or 27 pounds. It is about maybe four and a half or five feet long. And it was my granddad's and, you know, I'm, I grew up in Kentucky and my granddad had cattle. He didn't have oxen, but he had cattle. And so it is built for the, you know, for two cattle there to be plowing his garden or his, you know, the, we grew or he grew tobacco. It's a long tobacco growing family in Kentucky and all that. But, but I, my, it belonged to my uncle. And after he passed away, um, I was at my aunt's and she's like, you know, Victoria, do you want, what, what would you like? And, and I saw that on the wall and I'm like, oh my goodness, I want that yoke because it is so symbolic to that paradox between, you know, Jesus does say, come to me when you're weary. And he says, my yoke is easy and it's light. And often Mm -hmm. in my own humanness, I've struggled with that because I'm like, Lord, you know, I'm on a mission and you've given me this great purpose, but let me just tell you, this is hard and Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel light and it doesn't feel Mm -hmm. easy and it doesn't like feel all glamorous and, you know, woohoo all the time. Matter Mm -hmm. of fact, I'm about to crumble under the weight of it all. But when I get to that point, I know that, that I am striving in my own might and in that grit and that, you know, that by golly, I'll, I'll do it. And I'm just going to go my way and forge my own path and all of that. Even though I may ask him a time or two, it's not like I'm really sitting with him and, and really asking and waiting for his answer. But to have this yoke for me is a reminder, Victoria, who, with whom are you yoked? And Mm -hmm. there's always one of the cattle that when they're yoked like that, that's a little bit stronger than the other. It's the lead, the lead one or the lead Mm -hmm. ox. And so 
even though they're yoked, you know, side by side, one still kind of leads and gives the direction there and, and helps the movement and the progression. And so I'm like, I'm not that, if I try to be the lead and take on all that weight, forget it. I'm, I'm, I can't mm -hmm. do it. I'm going to be just, you know, spinning my wheels. But when I recognize, and I ask the Lord to reveal to me, your word says this, you say that this is an easy and light load. So help me to understand that, reveal that wonderful benefit and privilege that we have as being your children. Show me what that means and help me to be, you know, uh, the, the follower in all of that. And the one who is so in tune with the direction you're going, Lord, that I just naturally draft right into that same direction. And so I love that. And this reminds me of something else you said in your book, which I have said so often, you didn't come out and say it exactly like I say it, but you alluded to the fact that our work is our worship. And mm -hmm. I love that because if I look at what I do, even my ministry, if you look at what you do, Jenny, your songwriting, your giftedness, this purpose that God has for you and how he so blessed you and favored you in these ways and how your words that you're writing are so powerful to transform and to encourage and inspire a broken heart or someone struggling or just needing that little lifeline of hope. You, you've, you've got all of that and he's gifted you with all of that. But if you looked at that as some kind of work and that grind and that drudgery and that plotting, then it, it wouldn't, it would, you would lose the joy or at least that that's the way it is for me. But when I say Victoria, you get to get up today and you get to write you get mm -hmm. to speak or talk to someone about God, like we're doing here today and about our faith and why it's important. Mm -hmm. And we're 21st century Christian women, but we have a voice and God is good to us. And we get to share that and we get to say why, and we get to ask questions. And, but so when I turn it in that way, and I say, this is my offering to you, Lord, I'm your mm -hmm. daughter. And I want to worship you with my hands, with my mind, with my brain, with my body. I want this to be worship. Then suddenly it's like, oh, it's, it loses that heaviness and that, oh, I got to go do this. It, instead, it's an, I get to go do this. And we look at it as a privilege. So maybe you could speak a little bit on how your work is your worship. One thing that comes to mind as you're talking is just, I think one of the great lies the enemy wants us to believe is what we're doing right now today does not matter. Yeah. Like we like to think about our, our story and we like to think about this sort of pivotal moment when it's all going to come together and all going to make sense. And like when we're going to see why we're here and all of that. And I think it's in the unfolding, in the, the mundane moments uh, that we're worshiping him when we are intentional about our work, when we're intentional about how we love each other, how we take care of each other. Um, again, it, it's just that, that image of when we invite God into our work, no matter how mundane we might feel it is or stressful, it, it can shine with him. It can shine with his grace. You know, it can glitter with, with his color, with his radiance. And I do think that is a, it's a, again, a really beautiful, unique aspect of the Christian faith is just this idea that 
everything we do has infinite purpose. Like, so our work today, you know, what we're, what we're spending our time doing today, I had to take a final exam, uh, which was utterly stressful. And then, you know, do some, it's just, there's all kinds of random things in my days these days. And um, it just to, you know, I can either, as you're saying, and I can either get overwhelmed by each of those things, or I can just celebrate and think about the wonderful news that each of these things is part of my act of worship as I do them to the glory of God. And Paul talks a lot about that too, as he's calling, you know, even people who are servants and slaves to be joyous uh, in the way that they serve. And so I think there's, there's a sense in which we all get to have this, this joy. Um, Just, you know, again, even in those moments that seems so sort of monotonous to us and God, why am I here? But just knowing that he is there with us, knowing that he wants every action that we take to radiate him, I think is, is half the battle. Yes. I was so gripped by, um, and I, you know, you, you just bounce right with me. If I go to chapter nine and then I go back to chapter three, you're like, oh, you don't skip a beat here. But (laughs) I'm going back to, this is on page 125. (laughs) I know you don't know the numbers, but anyway, as far as the page numbers, but this was in Psalm 51, if I'm not mistaken. And that's the disoriented Mm -hmm. one. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, because this is what you wrote then. And just before I read this quote, I'll say that as I alluded to a moment ago, a big part of the ministry that I have is helping to equip other women to really take their thoughts captive. And that sounds very heady, but it's, I've kind of developed a process for doing that one that I use personally to help me work through my depression. And because I was challenged by a friend to do that, she said, Victoria, she's my mentor. And she said, I think, why don't you discover what it means to take thoughts captive and to be transformed Mm -hmm. by the renewing of your mind. And those, that, Mm -hmm. that little prompt that she gave me was really changed the direction of my life. And so now that's mm. in part of what I want to share with others, just the importance of our thoughts. You know, there are mm-hmm. so many neuroscientists and physicians who are all on board with this now. And it's almost like the world is hijacking what the Bible has said all along. Science is finally right. catching up to the Bible with the right. importance of our thought life because our mm-hmm. thoughts or our mind actually influence our our brain and our thoughts really in essence produce our emotions and feelings which in turn mm-hmm. cause us to behave or act in a certain way and so if we can get to the real root of what we're thinking about then we have a, a lot of hope for change especially if what we're thinking mm-hmm. about is not true if it's something that's mm-hmm. toxic so i was as i was reading your book i was looking for those little lines that you would say in those the, the when you would talk about your emotions and feelings and your thoughts. And Mm -hmm. this is one that really stuck out to me as well, because you talk about lies. And this is the quote, it says this, there might have been a modicum of truth in these feelings, the feelings that you were having. And for some reason, I put Mm -hmm. in parentheses, this was the hazy season or the Mm -hmm. disoriented season. And back to the Mm -hmm. quote, but it was just enough to be twisted into lies, I delighted in nursing. And you went on to talk about that cuddly appeal to sin. And Mm -hmm. so Jenny, I was thinking how 
if we are believing lies and we're actually nursing them, it really leads us to a dark place. And because mm -hmm. God is, is truth. And, mm -hmm. and we know the enemy is the one who hurls the lies. And he's a practitioner of that and deceit. But yet, if we agree or partner with the enemy, or if we believe something in our brains, and we engage thoughts that are not true, it will lead us to a really hazy place. Are you there, Jenny? I may have lost you for a second. Yes. Nope. Okay. Yep. So we just went on. There you go. Um, and so can you talk about how you delighted in nursing those toxic lies or, or uh, you know, that you were engaging those thoughts and, and rehearsing those and then how you worked out of that? Yeah, you know, I think one of the ways, another one of the ways that the enemy really gets those of us who are believers is it's not like usually huge sin at first. It's small little stones mm -hmm. of sin along yep. a path that we just continue to pick up and carry with us and keep moving and or, or walk, walk along those and follow them, however you want to think of it. And so I think... Um, you know, for me, specifically in the, in this part of the chapter, I was talking about when I was on the road a whole bunch. And so when I would come and I was, you know, singing in a lot of churches. So one of the things that would happen would be when I'd come home to my church uh, or yeah, to my church at home, either people would sort of accost me and want to talk about music things uh, or they would sort of be awkward because I couldn't see and they weren't used to seeing me around. So this made things, you know, especially awkward because they didn't know me. So that was a perfect excuse for me to either say, mm, I don't really feel like putting up with that and going to church today. Or mm -hmm. I would say, oh, I'm just going to show up late and leave early, you know, kind of so I don't have to talk to anybody. Right. And so that led, you know, that those simple choices which don't seem big, but they led to isolation and disconnection from community, which led to uh, me not having a lot of folks that were speaking truth into my life and calling my bluff. Uh, you know, I was meeting a lot of folks that barely knew me and were saying nice things for the most part uh, and not really being deeply connected to others who could, you know, actually come and, and bring the truth. And also I wasn't building character by working through the awkward and trusting God to bring beauty even out of those hard and difficult and awkward moments. Mm -hmm. So I was sort of making these choices one by one and, and yeah, finally it blew up. Finally, I was so disconnected from that community that I, I wasn't even listening for its voice. I wasn't listening for guidance in that way. And, and so what happens then, you know, like for me, I spend a lot of time on the road listening to sermons, mm -hmm. which is nice. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, yeah, see, I'm kind of doing church, but there's no standard. I'm making up my own standard for how to how to be in community. I'm getting to come up with it. And, and honestly, when we go to scripture, the Lord says, here's here's the standard. I, I get to make it up, not you, Jenny. So so I think what happens, what happened for me is it's just this kind of these seemingly small decisions led to bigger wrong decisions and and ultimately led to isolation where I really was kind of being my own God and my own boss and 
calling the shots as I, as, as I wanted. And, you know, and on one hand, I would have said I was comfortable with that. And on another hand, I would say I was lonely and uh, always uncertain about my decisions. I knew that I needed to be, somebody needed to be checking me, you know, that I needed mentors and people around me to exactly. speak into what I was doing. Yeah, exactly. And thank you for sharing that. It's a, such a great example of how it's a tiny, tiny thing, just like in the life of King David, when he avoided going to war and so forth. And it's a tiny thing and it seems tiny, but the more we, we kind of justify that and think, eh, it's just okay. It's just okay. Then suddenly it does lead us into, into that cuddly appeal to sin or into mm -hmm. a, a wrong, a wrong direction altogether. So Speaking of church also, I, I need to do a shout out to Christina Stanton for introducing us. I, I'm just learning. Thank you for your graciousness, by the way, Jenny. I'm just kind of learning. I'm, I'm now, let's see, a year and a half or so into podcasting, but I'm still learning awesome. how to interview. I didn't even read your bio. I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot to read Oh no. So I'm going to get it in, but I also wanted to do a, a shout out for for Christina to for introducing us and making this interview possible. Matter of fact, her podcast episode will come out next week since she's it's right before the 9-11. So we kind of tried to time that just right for that. But do you know, um, Jenny, who wrote the I, I looked you up on Wikipedia also. And the because I was trying to think where I was trying to get your your birth state down and I, I was flipping through to find that but um did, did you write that who writes wikipedia articles i have no idea i you know what i i don't know i haven't looked at it in a while but i kept trying to have someone change it and then wikipedia would change it back but there's there's a lot of stuff in there that's actually not entirely accurate really? so yeah mm -hmm. i mean some of it and unless it's been updated i haven't checked in a while but one of the last times i read it i was like oh, goodness i need to get some of this updated yeah. so oh, seems really really good you were the oh, good. new artist of the year in 2000 that that like, is correct for that is for correct. the gospel music association yeah yes and i also looked on the rachel lamp and cindy morgan song the blessed which i yeah. love i see your name there i saw as part of writing those yeah. lyrics right so i yeah yes i wrote that song with rachel and cindy yeah you did you oh uh, oh my goodness i thought i wondered how actually yeah worked. cindy and i actually wrote it for rachel yeah wow yeah, that's a beautiful song. And, you know, speaking of all your songs and the impact they had on my life, I used to play the If You Want Me To. I used to, I mean, I think I played that every single day. I told you that in email. And it, I, you know, it was, this is what it was about that song, is it told it like it was, but it ended on such a note of hopefulness and trust in the Lord. Mm. So that in the end, even though the pathway was broken, the road is unclear. And it's and because I could so relate to that at my at that point in my life, even though all of that darkness, even though the trial, the hardship, the difficulties were going on, but yet to actually declare, you know, I'm gonna go through this. There's no way under, over, around, I have to go through to declare that with such a resignation and hopefulness. Just, I, I don't know. I, 
I wonder if my kids remember, I used to just blare it just at, at the mm. farmhouse and it was so Im impactful and meaningful to me. I, I just loved it. That was the first time I'd ever, you know, I guess when you went, did you win a Dev Award, three Dev Awards also? Uh-huh. Yep. What, right. like, are one of those was, one of those was New Artist of the Year. Yeah. Okay. I don't see, I don't even remember what a Dev Award is. Oh, that's okay. It's just a, it's the Gospel Music Association's like kind of Grammy Awards for lack of a better term. Okay, got it. And, but it is, is it for a particular song? Uh, no, well, I won, we won one for Blessed. Okay. Um, and then I think If You Want Me To and Free were both nominated. Um, I can't quite remember what all, but, but yeah. Uh, but then one was for New Artists of the Year. Yeah. And then your your rendition of Be Thou My Vision, that one is just amazing as well. And, you know, you you I, I could just go on and on with all the things that that you've done. And you have two books. This one is actually your second book, correct? It is. This is my first solo author book. Now. Okay. And I do have a question. I asked my tribe on Facebook. It's called the Fired Up Mind and Choose to Think podcast community. And I asked I them, it. looking at my phone now so I can I can get this particular question because I asked them if they had any questions for you. And there's one friend of mine, he has a ministry in Uganda. And I know they're oh, cool. trying to start up uh, a like a band. And I told them, and so his his question was, if if and I'm trying to find it, his name is Grace Julius. Matter of fact, I interviewed him on the podcast just, I, I guess it was last year. It's been months and months and months ago. And so he says, you, and, and what I told him, his first question was, how, how do you run and manage a Christian band? And then I wrote back and I told him that, that I'm not sure you exactly had a quote band, um, but you've, and I told him, I said, she's written a gazillion songs and sung them alone on her albums. Is that true? Have you sung them alone actually, or? I mean, I've done a few duets, but yeah, and, but I, I have always had a band on the road. I mean, I would say running and managing a Christian band is a challenge, but it definitely can be done. You need someone, uh, with real business savvy mm. to kind of be at the helm and, and I would say the best thing that you could think about doing is delegating. So find out what everybody's best at. Like maybe somebody's really good at social media and then maybe somebody else is really good at finances and, you know, kind of have an area where everyone uh, thrives and, and can contribute. And I think that helps a ton with uh, getting a band started is just having, you know, each person that plays an instrument or does something that also can do other aspects of the work. Got it. So you would really be assigning each band band member a particular task or duty, finding out what they're, you know, what they liked or what they was kind of easy for them. And then they would run with that as well. You'd still be all talking about those things together, I assume. But yes. But oh yeah, absolutely. Be like your little task in the group. Yeah the whole overall group. Yeah. Okay. Well, then yeah. um let's see. Then I he says this. He also went on to ask can can she talk about how it is to write about writing pra praise and worship songs? 
what advice would she give to someone new who's just starting to write praise and worship songs? And I have to preface this with, so you are just a prolific writer and your music has been writing your music and the lyrics has been like journaling to you. And there's so much of your book that addresses the whole aspect of, of that ability to write music like that and write these lyrics like this songwriting. So what would you, if, you know, and I know they're trying to start a band. I'm pretty sure about that. Yeah. My virtual assistant, her name is Deborah, and she, she, Grace was the one who told me about Deborah. So, so I know that Deborah's involved with music. So this is kind of for them that they're, that they're wanting to ask you that. Any thoughts on just starting for writing songs? How do you do that? What do you do? Yeah. Um, well, there's a, a few things that I think of. First of all, I would say it's really important to um, find songs that you like and find out what you like about them. So maybe you spend some time counting like the lines of lyric. Um, so you will have maybe have an eight line verse. Usually you have a four or eight line verse and then you would kind of think about how you might follow that pattern and where it rhymes, which lines rhyme and which lines don't, that type of thing. And then you would try to think, hear the chorus and say, what do I like about the chorus, you know? Um, and think about the, the elements you might want to try writing in a song that sound like that chorus. You know, maybe it's, maybe the melody goes higher. Um, maybe words are repeated, especially in praise and worship. That's a significant part of choruses. Um, and so it's, it's sort of looking at those elements maybe to start and, and just listening to songs with an analytical ear. Mm -hmm. um, and then I would say, um, you know, there are definitely books about how to write praise and worship, which might be a little bit helpful. Um, maybe even more helpful than books are looking at tutorials. I know a lot of great songwriters have put things up on YouTube about how to write praise and worship songs or how to write songs in general. So that can be very helpful. Um, another thing you might do is, um, you couldn't record this, but just for practice, taking like your favorite praise and worship melody mm. and writing new lyrics to it, just to see how they need to fit, how, how much room you have to work with, how much you can say just to practice writing lyrics. Or you might do that vice versa. You might take one of your favorite lyrics. Now, if you do this with an old hymn that's in the public domain, meaning that it's, uh, it's it doesn't have a copyright. So like if you go to like cyberhymnal.org, I think almost everything there, maybe everything there is in the public domain. So you, you go and you find those lyrics and you put them to melodies and you kind of come up with melodies that sound like you know, things that you would want to sing or that you would want for your church to sing. And then you, um, and the great thing with those sorts of lyrics um, is that uh, you can, because they're not copyrighted, because they don't have a copyright, you can change them. So if you need to change lines to make them fit, you can do whatever you want to them. Maybe you just want to use them for inspiration. So that's also a great way to start is just to kind of get that inspiration or maybe start with the scripture, you know, start with one of the praise psalms, like maybe even Psalm 100 or any of those early 100 psalms. Um, and, you know, take those words and set them to music. Wow. So there's all kinds of ways to do it. 
Right, so can you actually take words of scripture, like let's say it's NIV? Can yeah. you actually take those and put them to music like verbatim or? That's a good question. I think it depends on if you want to sell it. You, you might need to get permission to do that okay. and pay them like a small fee, or you may just alter them slightly, you know, like read several versions and kind of come up with the best translation. Yeah. Like paraphrase it. And then, yeah, yeah those are great answers, Jenny. And I think even the discipline of just you know, sub, subbing in words or seeing how they fit that kind of mechanism discipline is yeah. should be really, really helpful because that's a lot of songwriting, isn't it? That melody and yeah. the, the poetry that's just naturally there. So, well, Absolutely. I, I want to be so mindful of your time and I, but I don't want to let you go before I, I mentioned this at one point, the hook of a song is, yes. is, so important and mm -hmm. i know like when you're writing you want to have a hook when you're doing ads mm -hmm. you want to have a hook you know something that that really grabs attention but what i love about this is that you're you're talking about the hook of a song and how it's repeated and it made me think of how when we take those toxic thoughts we we disengage them and we de-energize them and we allow them to dissolve by mm -hmm. replacing them with God's truth about himself, mm -hmm. about us and about our situation. And, but we have to repeat that a lot. We have to mm -hmm. engaging that. And that's how we grow that truthful statement. That's how we're mm -hmm. being led into that healthy and wholesome new direction. And so mm -hmm. I wanted you to talk a little bit about the hook about the best is yet to come. And, you know, what, what do you mean about that? Yeah, well, you know, I think as we talk about how important God's promises are to keep in our minds, how important it is to, to hold on to his hope, how important it is to be full of gratitude, you know, ultimately, this is all important because the story is not finished yet, right? Um, and so I talk about the hook of the song. The hook is the part that you're supposed to not be able to get out of your head. It is the, the part that's supposed to stick with you all the time. When you hear a song on the radio, that's the part that sticks in your mind that you just keep singing all day. And you're like, why am I still singing this? But for those of us who are believers, the hook of our song in the dark is the best is yet to come. Mm -hmm. or whatever your version of those words is. And the hope there is, I mean, when we think, uh, when we think big about what it will be like to live with the Lord and the Lamb, what it will be like to be face-to-face -face, uh, in the presence of Jesus all the time, when we think about that, when that becomes big in our minds, it changes everything about how we live now, truly. Mm. Um, and so like, I, you know, one of my favorite verses is in, uh, first Corinthians 13, where Paul's kind of saying, you know, we're all this side of heaven. We're all a little bit blind, you know, it's all, it's a little hazy for all of us, yeah. you know, it's a dimly dim reflection. Mm. Uh, but, but then he says, there's going to be a day when it's not anymore. And that means for all of us, there will be a day when, when, you and I see perfectly when there's clarity of vision, when we are in communion face to face with Jesus. Um, the very next moment when we get to see perfectly will be when we're gazing into Jesus's eyes, or maybe we'll be so 
like overwhelmed, will just fall at his feet. But either way, we will be in his presence forever. And it's hard because we live in such now lives to think about that, but it's worth, it's worth doing. It's worth continuing to find time to meditate on, on what that will be like, um, to, to, you know, um, passages like Revelation 21. And uh, it is such a beautiful place to see, um, see the heavenly story or the new, the idea of the new heavens and the new earth. But just to think of restoration, like, you know, all the sort of confusion and, and lack of clarity, all the darkness that we experience now, all the heaviness, you know, whether it's like a physical condition or whether it's just a longing in our hearts, all of that will be filled, will be satisfied, will be healed. Um, but also, we'll, you know, we'll get to gain new understanding. We'll get to um, have, we'll get to engage with Jesus and, and learn things that we don't know now. We'll perhaps get to see how he, you know, made good on all of those promises that all things work together for good. And all the times that we saw things that we couldn't see how they work together for good, maybe we'll get to see those, some of those or all of those, you know, and, and see the reality of, of what that good looks like. So there's just so many elements of that to, to think about and meditate on. And um, I think when we can do that, when, when the idea of being with Christ is really real to us, yeah. um, man, it just changes everything about today. It really does. It really does. And it's not just a hook. I was thinking while you were, it's, it's not just a hook. It's also the anchor. It's an anchor yes. for hope. And yes. what a encouraging way to end, to, to, to think about, yes, we all have trials and hardships. Yes, life can be mundane. Yes, we experience death and loss. Yes, we have challenges with isolation and loneliness. And okay, we know the value of, of, of pouring into our community and staying connected. And, but all of that, navigating all of that can be so tricky but, and difficult, and we, you know, we're not going to do it just perfectly, but throughout all of that, we know that the best is yet to come, and that, mm -hmm. to me, when I kind of let that sink in, I can use that as a reminder that, yes, this is a difficult season right now, yes, this is a trial right now, but the best is yet to come. And so it does change the perspective. It does bring a little bit of light into whatever scenario we might be going through. So I know that's gonna be really encouraging to our listeners and our viewers. So again, this is Jenny's book and it's called Singing in the Darkness. I love how you have that little bit of Braille right there. That's in Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah, can, can other people read this in Braille though? Can, can people? Yeah. Uh, well, it's, I don't know if it's available in Braille yet. Uh, it is on Audible. People oh. can listen to it if they want. Yeah. Who read that for you? I read it. You did? In my tiny bath apartment bathroom. Yeah. It's pretty funny. It was the quietest room in the house. So I, oh my um, goodness. I read it there and then sent it off to like the professionals to fix it, you know, like to make it not sound like it was recorded in a bathroom. <laughs> Wow. So did you have to actually read for perfection? I mean, did you have to, like, if you stumbled, did you just have to reread it or? 
Yeah, I had a I had a little software program on my computer, so I would just go back every time I stumbled. But I I had really quick turnaround time. I had about a week to get it done. So I would love to have read it for a little more like excitement. You know, like I would have loved to have had a little more time to work on it, but it worked out. So. Yeah, Dunby's perfect. That's what we started with, I think. But, yeah. but tell me this. So have you actually, how did you write it? Did you, I know this sounds like a, maybe a silly question, but did you memorize what you wrote or? Oh, heck no. Okay. I'm not that smart. No, I mean, I have a computer and it has speech on it. And then I also have a, a little braille device, which is here that I um, can read on the bottom. Okay. It, it comes up with Braille. And so you can, um, so I can load files into it. And so when I was writing, I would load each chapter in. And so I could read them back for how they would sound aloud when read aloud. And so that was part of the way that I edited. And then I would edit on the computer as well, um, where I have speech software. So yeah, so then when I read the book, I just read it on this device. And I put a, cause it makes a little bit of a noise. And so I put a, a blanket over my hand so I could read and it would be really cool. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's like yeah. what we do behind the scenes, you know? And exactly. Yeah. exactly. I, I record on Clubhouse. I do live podcast episodes on Clubhouse. Oh, cool. Basically take my phone. And when other people are talking, I put, I, I use, I'm using my phone. It's so like quote bush league it is not like professional at all but somehow it works and it comes together and nobody knows the difference so um that's awesome yeah well how can everyone connect with you where could they get get your book where can they you know see your ministry reach out to you know what you're doing yeah well um you can definitely go to my website jennyowens.com and uh you can sign up for my e-blast there which we will not bombard you with stuff, but we will tell you new things. And I try to share fun behind the scenes stuff as well as like um, just thoughts that, you know, maybe have come to me that I think would be encouraging or new songs or new books or whatever. So that's there. And then if you're on the Facebooks, you can go to uh, Ginny Owens Music and um, Instagram is Ginny Owens at Ginny Owens Official. Uh, with a G. So, and, and Twitter is at Jenny Owens. So okay. I think those are the main ways. Yeah. Back to Wiki, Wikipedia. I learned that your name is Virginia. It is. Yes. So that's why it's, it's Jenny with a, with a G. I with thought. A G. That's of, right. Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. Is that something you would have taken off of there or no? Is it okay that I said that? Oh yeah, totally. That's fine. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Does anyone call and you, you can't like, take it. You can't take stuff like that off. Unfortunately, they won't let you take like your take real those things off. birth name. Yeah. Or, does your mom call yeah. you Virginia or? Well, only when she's upset with me. Ah, okay. But everyone generally calls you Jenny. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's so cool. All right. Well, thank you so much, like times a billion for this delightful conversation. And I am hoping that everyone rushes out and gets your book because Aww. it is a, it's not only, it's kind of like a Bible, not a study, but a, a well, you're narrating parts of the Bible and discussing them and those stories and those events, those historical happenings. And 
to, so it's, it's educational in that sense and a nice reminder. Plus we get to know you a little bit more and I just applaud your, your efforts. And I really am, I feel so blessed and honored to even just sit across from you, from you now. And you're such a great model and example of someone, well, I'm just going to say a victorious Christian. And that may, that but not in your own mind. It's it's just that light that you already convey. And sometimes I don't like that victorious Christian and because that I feel like, oh dear, I'm not victorious necessarily. And but right. but what I'm saying is that you're you're such a picture of of that inner strength and that persistence, but it's persistence while yoked. If we can put all that together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Not, Absolutely. Not every thank you. Praise God for that. Perfect, but same for you. Thank yeah, you. It's it's you know you're you. I appreciate your transparency and your honesty, your candidness on sharing these things that I think many people will relate to. So thank you. Mm, so much. Thank you. Thank you. You're quite welcome. And that's a wrap, Brain Changer. Thank you so much for tuning in. And say, if you like what you hear, please consider sharing this link to the show with a friend or a family member who you think might be encouraged by the inspiring and hope-filled messages that I try to put out every single week. So thank you so much for your support. And until next time, Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Chao.